ဒီကောင်းနဲ့စိတ်တဲ့ရှိတယ်မှာကောင်းနဲ့စိတ်တဲ့ရှိတယ်ဟောလ်အော့ဖ်အစ်ဟဗ်မဲနီကွာလီတ
And these six objects that arise for us, the, the experiences we have of these six objects, the, the five physical senses and the mind, Sierra says, the experiences we have, Sierra says, we can't do anything about them. We don't need to change them because they're already happening of their own nature. They're already happening because they have a reason to be there. So when we meditate, Sierra says, our meditation is not about what is happening to our experience. We don't have to do anything to our experience. It doesn't need to change. What we do need to work with in meditation is to watch for our mental response to these experiences. Our mental response. So do we, have we brought awareness to the experience? Have we, do we have stability of mind as we experience the experience? Um, do we gain any wisdom about the experience? Yeah. So our concern is our mental response to these experiences. Awareness And everybody understands. Everybody understands the meaning of awareness. Just in a general layman word, you know, just in English, awareness. And it's just that simple. Just bringing awareness or becoming aware of our experience. That's one part of meditation. Okay, so Sierra wants to just test your understanding of awareness. So Sierra says, those who already know, please don't answer the questions. So now you're sitting. Do you know that you're sitting? Yes? Yeah. And you're hearing. Do you recognize that you're hearing? Yeah. And you're seeing, right? You're looking, you're seeing. Do you recognize that looking and seeing is happening? Yeah? You're very sure. You know that this is happening. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> and when did you begin to notice that you were seeing? When he mentioned it. So Sarah is trying to point out awareness to us. That moment when we recognize our experience, that's awareness. We know this is what we are experiencing in this moment. We all wake up in the morning and we open our eyes and we see. But none of us actually wakes up, opens our eyes and realizes I'm seeing, right? So this is what awareness is, Seattle says. Awareness is consciousness, becoming conscious of ourselves. When you see, you know seeing is happening. When you hear, you know hearing is happening. You touch something, you know touching is happening. You know, all your experiences, you recognize the experience as you go through them throughout the day. Now, when Sierra said, do you notice that you're seeing, Sierra says, 
did you need to use a lot of effort to recognize that you're seeing? No. So that's all the energy you need to be aware. Right? So you don't need much effort at all to be aware, but you do need to keep being aware like that moment after moment after moment throughout the day. All day long. Mm-hmm. Need some perseverance. So Sarah says, what is more important in meditation is the persistence. Is the, oh, uh, you know, I'm aware of my experience again and again and again. Um, it's not important to do it strongly or effortfully. You know, uh, you don't have to work hard. You just have to keep doing it. So, Seattle never uses the word concentrate. He never says that you need to concentrate on something. He won't say that you need to, you know, penetrate into the nature of the object or anything like that. Okay? He, he wants us to become familiar with this gentle energy of awareness. That is the persistence of gentle awareness throughout the day that is more powerful than trying to concentrate our effort into every moment. If we use too much energy in any moment, um, for any length of time, we won't be able to do it for long because we'll run out of energy. And Seattle says the goal of meditation is to take it throughout our life. It's a long-term goal. We want to do it as, as much as possible, as long as possible, so we don't want to run out of energy. Here on retreat, Seattle says, we have the time and we have nothing else to do. We're going to be trying to practice from the moment we wake up in the morning and open our eyes till we fall asleep at night. And this is because Seattle says, meditation is something that we need to do all the time. We cannot not be aware of ourselves. And again, he repeats that, you know, bhavana, the word for meditation in Pali, is cultivation. Cultivation means allowing something to happen over and over again. So here we are, we are allowing awareness to happen over and over again. The nature of the mind you know, the nature of the mind is that it, it arises every moment and then it d- dies, it passes away. So the mind is gone, the current mind, and then another mind arises and then it goes again. But what happens with the mind is that every time the mind passes away and a new mind arises, um, it's sort of like uh, a father giving birth, oh, sorry, a mother giving birth. <laughs> um, it's like the, the new mind is like a child born of the old mind and the new mind has... Um, you know, inherits the characteristics of the old mind. So whatever you've been practicing in the old mind comes into the new mind. If you, if you do the same thing over and over again, that particular characteristic becomes stronger and stronger in the successive minds. So whatever quality we allow to um, manifest in our minds repeatedly, 
you know, whether it's a good quality like generosity or a bad quality like impatience, whatever we practice repeatedly will get stronger in our minds. I know. So when we allow any um, quality to you know, manifest repeatedly in our minds, that quality gets stronger, and that's how we perfect the good qualities of our mind. In Pali, it's called a parami, a perfection, and there are ten qualities that we can perfect. Apparently. So Seado says, if we persist in repeating some quality of the mind and that repetition alone will strengthen that quality of mind, why would we need to put a lot of effort into any one moment? Right? Understanding the nature of the mind and how it gets stronger, we will, we, of course, we will use the understanding of this um, property of mind and, and you know, to, to strengthen the mind. Why would we want to put in our own personal effort, you know, a lot of effort, which is not going to be sustainable when we know that there is a much easier, more sustainable way to strengthen the mind? And what we want really is for the mind to be natural and grow naturally. And if we are patient with the nature of the mind, if we are patient with the way the mind works, and just allow the mind to grow its, you know, the quality that we repeat naturally, you know, over time, Seattle says, it will grow stronger. You will see the results. You just need to wait and persist in doing what you need to do. So there's no hurry in meditation. Uh, we just want to be like the, the turtle in that race, you know, the tortoise and the hare, where you just keep sort of walking steadily. Because if you rush, you might trip over something. <laughs> In, in meditation, Seattle says there is no, uh, there is no shortcut. There is no uh, fast route. Uh, you can't try to do it faster, even if you, you know, make strong effort. It, it doesn't do it. You still have to allow the mind to take its natural course. So meditation... Sh- is supposed to be a very relaxing activity. You, um, it's not supposed to make you become tense or tired. Um, so, yeah, just steady. Relax, And Sarah says, you know, when he says relax, um, what we are relaxing are the the powers, the grip of the, you know, of negative qualities of mind that can come in, the, the grip of our greed to achieve. You want to do something quickly. Um, our frustration, you're 
or, you know, why isn't it happening yet? So we're trying to relax the hold of greed and, you know, impatience on our mind. Um, but he says what we don't relax is the persistence to be aware. Effort, right? Effort, so, uh, I, in meditation, we talk about right effort. He doesn't just use the word effort because it has to be right effort. And right effort is defined by persistence, right? It's about perseverance, not about energy in any one moment. So we really don't need to focus very much at all. Don't have to focus hard. And then the second. So Sarah's talked now about um, relaxing, right effort. And the second thing Sarah says is right attitude, having the right idea about meditation. And so we begin with awareness, Sarah says, but awareness is alone is not enough. And what does awareness need to help it? Siyadu says, awareness needs to have the right idea to help it. And the idea that we're going to bring into practicing meditation is when we are being aware of our experience, you know, of the mind and the five physical senses, how do we regard these experiences? Normally, our normal um, attitude towards our experience is to identify with it, right? This is my mind and this is my body. This is happening to me or why is it happening to me? But if we want to practice vipassana meditation, Siyadu says, we then cannot allow the mind to continue thinking in that way because when we identify with the experience, when we make the experience mine, it can make some of our attachments and our aversions much stronger. So when we have an experience and we notice ourselves identifying with it, it's like, um, why, you know, why is this happening to me or whatever. Seattle says it's very helpful then to regard the experience as an experience. Right? This is hearing, or this is seeing, or this is feeling, um, rather than I am feeling this, or I am hearing this, or I am thinking this. And the reason we do this is because that is the nature of what is happening. What is happening now is the nature of that experience. Like hearing is happening, or, or you know, heat is happening. That is its nature. It's actually not, it doesn't actually belong to us, although we identify with it. Um, and we just want to remind ourselves of that. Uh, 
And Sierra says all these experiences that happen to us, there is a flow of causality, right? There's, there's reasons why these things are happening and that's why they're happening. And that's why we say that they are their own nature. They have their own like, um, reason to be. And um, so that's why we try to see it that way, right? And if we are able to see it that way, if we are able to see that what is happening now, the experience that's happening now is happening for its own reasons, Seattle says sometimes it can help our mind to become more accepting of it and help us to be aware of it with more ease. And then it becomes interesting because we're letting it be. We're letting it be whatever it needs to be. And then we're observing it. Then it becomes, it can become very interesting. And then you begin to understand that the reason you're observing these things, these experiences, is because we want to understand the nature of these experiences. So now, now, And there's a few other little ideas Yaro says he'd like to put in um, about the practice of vipassana. It's easier to practice when we have the right understanding. So particularly on retreats, Yara says, yogis have problems with three particular experiences. And these experiences are sound, our thoughts, pain. and pain. Sarah says he's noticed that the atmosphere here, um, at least where sound is concerned, is just like in Burma. We are surrounded by sound. And how should we approach sound, the experience of, you know, being surrounded by so much sound? Theodosis is to consider it to be its own nature. You know, sound is here because it has a reason to be here. We can hear because our ears are good. If we were deaf, we wouldn't be able to hear. So, you know, it has its reasons to, to be our experience. So if we saw the, the, the naturalness of sound and why it is and, you know, is present for us, Yara says, it, would be much, it will be much easier to accept it. If we have our other um, judgments about it, you know, oh, this is a meditation retreat or something like that, you know, if these things come in, he says, then it becomes much more difficult to deal with the presence of something that is naturally happening. So, Siara says, um, so when you're meditating, Siara wants to know, is it better if there is sound when you're meditating or is it better if there is no sound at all when you're meditating? What? 
It's better with sound, somebody says. Wonderful. Anybody thinks it's better without sound? Put up your hand. Okay, I've got a few people who think it's better without sound. Okay. There's an auction going on. Yeah, it's sound. 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 It's so actually, Sierra says, uh, whether there is sound or there is no sound, um, you know, the presence and absence of sound has no value. Uh, the value is in our response to sound. If we believe that sound should be present, we will, you know, we will like it when there's sound. If we believe that sound should not be present, then we will like it when sound is not present. So it's our value judgment that determines our you know, response. If we understood that it was the value judgment and we withheld that judgment, Sarah says, then we wouldn't persist, we wouldn't like go into that, that, that cycle you know, of, of like liking something and not liking the opposite. Liking or disliking And we need to recognize that both liking and disliking actually agitate our mind. Because when we like something, when we have considered something to be preferable or a better option or the better you know, uh, circumstance, when we prefer something, Seattle says, the moment the opposite comes, we will dislike. So liking sets us up to dislike. Both of them agitate the mind. So, Sierra says, if we instead saw experience to be just that, experience is just experience. Sound is the experience of sound, and silence is the experience of silence. Sarah says, if we saw that it was just what it is, if we saw it just as it is, then we would not have liking or disliking because what we would just have is awareness. Awareness that this is the nature of this experience right now. He says nature um, has neither good nor bad. Nature is just nature. Nature is just as it is. But what we need to really remember is that upon all these natural experiences that we, um, you know, that we go through, it's when we... It's when we have the wrong... It's when we have the wrong idea about it. When we bring in our wrong idea about the experience that the mind gets agitated. It has liking towards it or disliking towards it. So we need to see how it's not the experience, right? It's not the experience that gives us our reaction. In between there's experience, there's judgment and, exp- and then reaction. And it's our judgment that determines our reaction. It's not the experience that gives us our reaction. And the second experience that yogis struggle with is thinking mind. 
Um, but the thinking is a part of the nature of the mind. In the Satipatthana Sutta, you know, the Sutta about the four foundations of mindfulness, the instruction is that when the mind is thinking, the yogi is to be aware that the mind is thinking. And the, when the mind is quiet and not thinking so much, the yogi is to be aware that the mind is not thinking so much. Seattle says there is no instruction there that says that thinking mind is not good and if the mind is thinking, you should be trying to quiet the mind. The only instruction is to be aware, acknowledge the present, the current state of mind. The yogi's responsibility is to acknowledge and recognize what is happening in the present moment as it is. We are not being asked to judge the experience. We are only being asked to know the experience. And it is, Seattle says, rather difficult to say the mind shouldn't think because um, the very definition of mind is that that which thinks is mind. So, yeah. So if, if, if you have mind, the mind will think. So our responsibility, every time you think and you recognize your thinking, just know that. Know the mind is thinking. The only thing that Seattle um, wants us to be aware of, to beware of, is especially for beginners, Seattle says, when we recognize the mind is thinking, to not um, continue to watch the thinking mind, because then we can just get lost in thinking mind. So Seattle says, if you recognize the mind is thinking, that's very good. Oh, thinking, oh, the mind is thinking. And then Seattle says, also ask yourself if you recognize something else in your body. Do you recognize a sensation? Do you recognize a feeling? Um, and, you know, just so that the mind is grounded. So you might be knowing thinking mind, feeling, thinking mind, sensation, thinking mind, sensation, thinking mind, sensation. But you know that you continue to, continue to be aware of something that is grounding. And you're not just like floating away with the mind that is thinking. Now, now the poor. Um, one of the ways we in English uh, talk about the thinking mind is we say that we have wandering mind, right? And wandering mind suggests that the mind has wandered away, like it's gone somewhere, like the cat. You know, but Siada says um, the nature of the mind is that it can't go anywhere. The mind is not physical, so Siada says the mind's nature is to arise and to pass away. And uh, yeah, so not to think that the mind has gone anywhere. Okay, just that the mind is happening. Maybe you are thinking of something, you're thinking about, you know, thinking mind about your child is happening now. You know, so this is what is happening in the present moment.
Kalau tinggi main Tui salau ayam abunis Ay teku Tui dia sik pit dia Tiba ya And if we can Sierra says um, What we want to notice is the presence Of the thinking mind That thing or the You know the the fact that it is happening Thinking mind is happening right now This is in process Not so much the story in the thinking mind Not so much like You know it, is it about The past, the present or the future That That's not important Seattle says what's important is that The mind is thinking now If we can recognize that That it is happening now Yeah And the third experience That we have problems with In retreat is pain Again Seattle says Um Pain or no pain, you know, neither is preferable um, as such. It's very, it's the nature of the body that if we sit still for a long time or, you know, move for a long time, the body is going to get uncomfortable. Yeah, so again, Seattle says, you know, Um, our attitude towards it should be that this is nature. It's happening for a reason. Uh, this is the nature of what's happening right now. And we don't, if, you know, there's no need to resist pain. And And um, Sierra says, although he says there's no need to resist pain, again, the nature of it is that we will resist pain. That's the automatic reaction of the mind. And this is very important. When you notice the mind is resisting the pain, you know, when you notice that there is resistance to the pain, Sierra says, don't watch pain. Don't watch pain. If you can, watch your resistance. Watch the feeling of not liking it. Yeah? And then, if you really can't take that, Seattle says, make yourself comfortable. You don't have to keep sitting in pain or doing whatever you're doing in pain. So the practice of meditation in a meditation retreat, you'll generally have three things that you are doing. You're either sitting or walking or you're doing anything else. Okay? So Seattle is going to describe what you might do when you're sitting. Seattle says when you sit, you close your eyes and you, or maybe you can open your eyes um, and you become conscious of yourself, of your body and your mind. And you can be aware of anything. The true... Uh, um And there are several ways that you might be aware. Seattle says one of them is to be aware of one object. So we call it an anchor. You can use something that you find attractive for yourself to be an anchor. Maybe it's your breath. Maybe it's just the feeling of yourself breathing. Maybe it's the feeling of touching the ground where you're sitting. Whatever you find easy for yourself to just remain with. 
The second way is to be aware of whatever comes to your attention. You might find that more difficult. If you find that difficult, it's always acceptable to go back to an anchor and stay with something you find. The only thing Seattle asks is that if you choose to have an anchor, if, if you find an anchor more grounding for you, he also wants you to be open to releasing your anchor when other objects become known. So not to be attached to the anchor. You can use it as a tool, but if you start to notice your thinking mind, the sound, and your attention starts knowing different things, go with that. Allow it. If you find yourself getting scattered, come back to your attention. Seattle wants us to notice that whatever we are being aware of, um, you know, the thing that is being aware is your mind. Okay? And what we want to always recognize is the presence of the awareness. Whether you're being aware of an anchor or different objects, there is always the awareness that is helping us to know these objects. So Seattle says, in a nutshell, um, what he's saying is that we have three things that we need to do. The first thing is to recognize what is happening as being of its own nature. You know, this is happening as it is. Yeah? And accepting that this is the experience that's happening as it is. The second thing is then to be aware of it, to, to like pay attention to it. And then the third thing is just to continue to be aware of it <laughs> with that right idea that this is just nature. Seattle says, when our awareness gets better, better, um, our awareness actually becomes aware of more objects at the same time. For example, you might begin noticing your breath, that you're hot, and that you're thinking. And that's a sign that your awareness is actually working. It's good news. Sometimes you will have thoughts that bring uh, emotion to you. Yeah, you'll get emotional uh, about certain thoughts. When you have thoughts that make you emotional, Seattle says, this is also very important, do not look at the thoughts. Look at the feeling. And remind yourself that what is happening is happening of its own nature, right? If we identify with it, like maybe we have a feeling that makes us feel depressed. If 
our mind keeps thinking I'm depressed, I'm depressed, it will just make you more depressed. So, um, so you know, notice those sort of thoughts and don't follow them. Just look at the feeling. This is a feeling. Don't even identify the feeling as depression. It's just a feeling. What is the nature of this feeling? And don't follow the thoughts. Objectability. Okay. So that's what we call watching objectively. Uh, okay. So the second activity that we might engage in on a retreat is that we walk around. And when you walk around, Sierra says, just walk normally, relax. Um, the most important thing, uh, whatever you do, is to have awareness of yourself. Yeah? Awareness of yourself as you walk. Or sit. Being aware of yourself, Siara says, if you don't know what to pay attention to or you feel like you know, you're, you're confused, Siara says, you can start by being aware of the movement of your feet or the touching of your feet every time you put down a foot. Something simple just to ground you, just to do it continuously. And as you continue to be aware of one thing, Seattle says you'll begin to notice other things. So not just maybe you start with the touching of the feet, you start knowing how you know the, the body the, the, the motion of your whole body, you start to feel different sensations, and then you begin to notice things happening in the mind as well, even as you walk. Oh. เมื่อเอ่อไทยเนี่ยเอ่อเมื่อสิพุ่ยเนี่ยเลยอ่ะเนี่ยไปเลยอ่ะเมื่อสิพุ่ยเนี่ยมีหน้าอุติไหนเน
So whichever one happens, whether it's just like passive seeing or whether you're looking at something, if you can recognize that that's what you're doing, that would be great. And Sarah says, and then there's the rest of what you do in the day, right? You're not sitting, you're not walking, um, you might be eating, you might be in your room, you might be moving around. Sarah says, please notice everything. Notice if you go forwards, notice if you go backwards, notice if you sit, if you stand, if you turn around, if you reach out, pull, push, just notice whatever you're doing. Even if you can notice that you bat your eyelids, that would be great too. Yeah, just asking us to like make ourselves our closest companions. Living fully with myself, right? Living fully with this body and mind and not so much with another person's body and mind. <laughs> which is our usual modus operandi. And Sierra says one way that it's helpful for us to uh, sort of sink into ourselves, to get to know ourselves, is not to talk to other people. Because, um, you know, then we're fully engaged with ourselves. We might forget to be aware, but because we're not talking, then we might remember to become aware more easily. Right? So it's okay to forget, but just to be with ourselves as much as we can. Sarah says, generally, if we were fully engaged in trying to be aware of ourselves, um, there is this um, quality called sampajanya in Pali. They call it clear comprehension, but it's about wisdom, about knowing whether something is suitable or not, or necessary or not. And Sarah says, generally, if we are fully engaged in being aware of ourselves, this wisdom of knowing whether something is necessary or suitable comes of its own. <laughs> but Sarah says, what you will notice is that when you don't talk to somebody outside, you will talk to somebody inside a lot more. <laughs> and you can notice that, Sarah says, that's fine. You might notice how much you want to speak to somebody else as well. Because that's our habit, to be engaged with other people. And so you might notice the desire to, to speak to a friend or... Intentions you know. And we can watch that. We can watch that, that, that urge, that, that need to, to speak to someone. Again, it's a nature of the mind. You can just watch that. How does it feel? So Seattle says, try this for a week. Okay, the retreat is nine days. So try being with yourself for one week. Seattle says, one week should give the mind time to settle down into itself, into your own mind and body. And then Seattle says, we will try to speak and see whether we can remain in ourselves while we speak with other people. 
ဒါဆိုရမှာဟာဆိုရမှာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟာဟ
um, Seattle is saying that it's probably a feeling that you have towards the thing. You know, some feeling accompanies the thinking. Um, Seattle says, if you're able to know what you're feeling when the thought is happening, great. Watch the feeling. That is the same as anchoring. You know, that is the same as, as, as grounding. Um, Seattle mentions grounding, you know, with something physical um, for when you're not having um, a thought that, you know, gives you some reaction. And also for beginners, because we might get lost in thought. So it's helpful for beginners not to just keep, oh, you know, yes, there's thinking, there's thinking, that, and afterwards you're just thinking, you're not knowing that you're thinking, right? So for, because of that, Seattle's like, you know, recognize, oh, thinking, oh, feeling, thinking, uh, sensation, thinking, sensation. Yeah, so alternating to ground ourselves. But Seattle says, if somebody is able to recognize, you know, if there is reaction to thinking, then, then know the reaction. And when you're having a reaction, Seattle also said, um, you know the reaction, the feeling, and if you also know what the thinking is at the same time, without getting lost in the thinking, that's okay. So long as it's not something very emotional, because then he says, don't think, right? Yeah, yep. Is it okay to label? Okay, Seattle says, if you need a label to help you to, like, bring yourself there, that's fine. Like, um, oh, touching. Okay, so you, it helps you to bring yourself there. And you can use it maybe once or a couple of times, but you have, if you have to use it repeatedly, then are you knowing the labeling or the sensation? So use it to help you, but don't get attached to it. We will, you know, if you notice, Seattle says, actually, when we know an object, just, just know it, uh, the mind automatically labels it. It's the mind's habit to always speak to ourselves about what it knows. So, you know, you're feeling something, it will say something about what it's feeling. Or say, oh, you know, my mind is there, or, you know, something like that. It will be, your mind is constantly talking to you, and that's fine, Sierra says. But if you have to keep repeating a label like, oh, hot, 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 then, you know, then it's not, it doesn't make sense anymore. Yes? Sampajanya, clear comprehension, yeah? Sarah says don't go into the word non-doing because non-doing is the is the premise of wisdom, you know, like when your practice has a lot of momentum and there's a lot of equanimity and understanding and then it's like, you know, the mind understands what to do by itself, you know, you, there's no need for you to do anything in that sense, although you might do things. So non-doing is very confusing, don't even go there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. If the mind labels by itself, that's okay. But know that the mind is labeling. Recognize the mind is labeling. Yeah. No need to try to drop it. Yeah. Yeah. If we try to do anything, it always makes things more difficult. So. Yeah. says if your mind labels naturally, if you recognize the mind is labeling, that's also knowing an activity of the mind. You know, that's the nature of the mind that's happening now. That's fine. Okay. Yes. Yeah. When you use the breath as a vipassana object. Do you have to recognize it's an in-breath or an out-breath or do you really have to or do you generally just know that you're breathing? Okay. Anapana vipassana adwe shure sobazo anapana dome sobazo shure shai de luti bolo mala maho in le jeng ata shure luti in tobi la de what you need to know what you need to know in uh, vipassana is um, is the sensation the feeling of the sensation and um, it's different when you breathe in when you breathe out you know. also you got conception yeah don't follow the breath the direction of breathing don't you know go out with the breath and go in with the breath you know like don't move with the breath your attention but um, but you you can know that it's breathing in or I mean not purposely you know whatever you know in the moment yeah so just feel what's happening yeah when you breathe in and out Siyadu says which is more gross which is more subtle which is warmer which is cooler <laughs> so know that for yourself while you're meditating. Yeah, feel it. Okay. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Or just the touching sensation. Yeah, everybody knows something different at different times. Sometimes you know it's touching, sometimes you know the temperature, sometimes you feel the movement, sometimes you feel you know, different things. So just whatever is happening, just feel it at that time. Recognize that. Yeah, just don't follow, you know, like in out in the sense of you can know that it's the in breath or the out breath, but don't follow it into the nose or out of the nose. Yeah, that, that's what he means by don't follow it. Hmm? Yes. What is the difference of feelings and emotions? In English, um, I, I kind of use them interchangeably, I think. Um, um, I guess, yeah, whatever it is, whether it's a feeling or an emotion, it's to know it. Yeah, to know it, to be able to watch it objectively, not be identified with it, you know, to see it for what it is and, and continue watching it. Okay. Yeah, whether it's our feelings or our emotions, they have intensity, right? They can get less, they can get more. To know that and what's affecting it, right? Well, yeah. Yes. 
notice that when I notice things, I have a great tendency to question. Okay. When I'm doing that question, do I just like, because I'm like really uh, that subjugated thing, do I just like stop there? Or, because a lot of times I find that it's happening. A lot. Mm. So what's the Google the detail mean? So don't question. For you, don't follow. Yeah? Don't 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 bother to question. Just Siyadu says questions, you know, if the mind has a wrong attitude, if the mind has a lot of greed, like it wants to solve the problem or resolve the problem. Siyadu says the mind will try to ask a lot of questions, hoping and thinking that it's going to get to a solution. When Siyadu talks about investigation, Siyadu says it's not something that we do ourselves. It's something that wisdom does when the time is right, yeah. We just set an intention, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. You mean if there is development in the mind? Do you let it go or does it get let go? Are you trying to let it go? Yeah, just be aware of it. Let, letting go is not your responsibility. Just know it. Whether it lets go or not, is not doesn't matter. Just know what is happening as it is. Yeah? Yeah. How do you accept it? So do you feel acceptance or do you try to accept it? Okay. Yeah. Accept my peel, Seattle says, you know, um, yeah. Seattle talks about how we need to bring in, you know, the right view and all that to help us, right? To help the mind to be more accepting. But, um, we probably should have said this earlier, but Sierra says, sometimes the mind can't accept. Sometimes the mind remains identified. And at that time, what we do is to recognize that. Recognize the mind is not accepting. Recognize the mind is identified. And that is fine because that is what is happening now as it is, right? Yeah. It's probably more important to recognize that. Yeah. And, you know, all these are just our um, observations. We, we go through this practice so that the understanding finally arises that brings acceptance. Um, initially, we're just, yeah, if we don't accept, we don't accept, it's fine. Yeah. Know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sierra says, don't forget the learn. Of course, we don't try to learn. (laughs) That's supposed to happen by itself, too. (laughs) You were saying. 
go to sleep Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.